Let's pray as we consider God's word. Heavenly Father, thank you for this extraordinary story that Jesus tells, perhaps the most famous. Thank you for the glimpse into you, into your heart, into the way that you treat those who run away from you. Father, tonight, please, may we hear that this invitation is made to us, that you reach out your hand in love and say to each one of us, come home. And so, Father, would we do just that? Amen. And my name is David. If we haven't met, uh, it's my privilege to open God's word this evening. I want to begin by asking you this. Are you a pirate or are you a policeman? Are you a pirate? Or... Now, now, let me explain what I mean. When you see a boundary, perhaps it's a rule that someone said or a challenge, do you immediately think, how close can I get? How far can I push? Can I take a little step over, a big step over? Can I? Are you a pirate? Or are you a policeman? You see the boundary and you work very hard to stay within it and keep everyone else in it too. Now, if you think of yourself as a child, you may uh, perhaps be able to work this out a little bit better. What were you like as a child? Were you little Johnny, wakes up in the morning, wants to be in every single adventure, all the scrapes, all the scares, all the broken bones, you were always there. Was that you? Or were you the kid who, oh, no, no, we, 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 can't, we might break a window. You've got to be really careful. You might hurt yourself. Don't run across the road without somebody there to help you. Don't. Are you a pirate or are you a policeman? It's not uncommon in families to have a child of either. So the first, quite often, is the compliant. The eldest is the well-behaved. The eldest is the one who makes sure everyone else behaves. And then along comes little Johnny, little Rodder, wakes up every morning thinking, how can I cause the most grief to my parents? And goes to bed at night worried that he hasn't done a good enough job of it. Are you a pirate? Or are you a policeman? Now, in this story, it's very clear to see which character is which. And it's very easy to know who Jesus means by it. If we jump back to the start of the chapter, chapter 15 and verse 1, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering to hear him. Oh, there's your pirate. There's the younger brother in the story. There's the one who, as far as anyone is concerned, are the outcasts, the unloved. Verse 2, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners? He eats with them? There's your policeman. Those religious ones who thought of themselves very highly. We're not like them. The elder brother in the story. And this story tonight is a great opportunity for us to insert ourselves into it. To consider how do you and I treat God? Because quite clearly, God is the Father. In fact, even more importantly than how do you and I treat God is the question of how does God treat us? Well, let's meet the characters. Somewhere along the way, you will say hello to yourself. Let's pick it up again. Chapter 15 and verse 11 of Luke. Jesus tells them this story. There was a man who had two sons. And the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Clearly, here is the pirate. He wants to push the boundaries. He wants to go all out. He rocks up to his dad. He looks him in the eye and he says, Well, answer me this. When do you get your inheritance? 
when someone dies, right? I mean, the, the, you, my grandfather passed away a couple of years ago and so my dad and his siblings, they had to work out the inheritance. And this young punk rocks up to his dad, he looks him in the eye and he says, I wish you were dead. And it's not the sort of in the heat of an argument, right? Oh, I wish you were dead and you slam the door and you go and listen to One Direction or whatever it is that kids do these days, right? He seriously means it. He looks at his dad and he says, I wish you didn't. You, you were gone. I want your cash. I don't want you and I don't want your relationship. Now, it would have taken time for his dad to cash out. I mean, if, if you've ever sold shares, you guys probably, I mean, maybe the back half of the room, right? You don't cash out quick and make a profit. And so here he is selling land, dividing the possessions, getting rid of the flocks, turning them into liquid assets. And this young man, well, verse 13, not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had. He set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. We read it in one sentence. It takes a couple of words, but it must have taken a very long time. Here is the pirate. I mean, that's where the word, the word prodigal, the prodigal son, the one who spends recklessly, lavishly, you could say, if you want to put it positively. Here is the pirate. He takes his dad's wealth and he blows it all. He grew up in the hills with the stars. They threw big parties. Everyone was there. They hang out with folks like Dennis Hopper and Bob Seger and Sonny and Cher. And... No? Okay, you guys are too young. Never mind. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate it, mate. Right? I mean, he spends it. He blows it. He gets the condo on the beach, the fast car or chariot or whatever it is that they had. All the people who is anyone is there. He throws these huge parties. All the food laid on, all the booze laid on, all the entertainment laid on. Come and enjoy the wealth that I got really easily. I didn't really work for it. But he shows his character. No regard for his dad. No regard for any sort of responsibility. He just goes. Until, as the story progresses... Things go wrong. Verse 14, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his field to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Out of money, out of luck, out of friends, what a surprise. The money dried up and they disappeared. Finally, out of food, he has to go and find what work he can. Notice the picture. Jesus is telling this story to Jewish people. And he says to these Jewish people, this man had to work for a foreigner feeding pigs. He wanted to eat their food. Ever seen a bucket of pig swill? Anyone, anyone, anyone seen a bucket of pig swill before? Yeah? It's not pretty. <laughs> you throw the, I mean, pigs will eat pretty much literally anything. And so everything that is left over goes in. Vegetable, animal, bone, meat. doesn't really matter. You just chuck it in and you make this. And he's looking at that going, man, gee, that, whew, I could go that over a Big Mac right now. He's that desperate. And it's not till he gets to that point, the lowest point in his life, that he finally wakes up. He finally, he starts to think again and he sees, well, he's home in a new light. In verse 17, he came to his senses and he said, how many of my father's hired men 
have food to spare. And here I am starving to death. I will set out. I will go back to my father. I will say to him, Father, I have sinned. I have sinned against heaven and I have sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, but, but please, would you take me as one of your hired men? And he got up and he went to his father. At this low point in his life, he remembers his father in a new light. His care, his generosity. He was a man who looked after even his hired hands, let alone his family. And so he turns for home. Well, there's the pirate. Let's meet the father. I finally thought of a P word, padre. There you go. They're pirate, padre, policeman. Yeah, uh, The father. He meets, let's meet the father. And this, what an extraordinary character this man is. Absolutely extraordinary. Now, can you picture the scene in the movies? Uh, we watched Avengers this afternoon and unfortunately didn't have any uh, scenes I could use, so I'll make one up. And you can picture the scene, right? Son, father, massive fight, son storms out, I wish you were dead, never want to see you again, runs away, does all his thing, starts to come back and then you hear the knock at the door and it's the son and he's dirty and his clothes are stuffed and he's smells bad and, he, and, and you, you hear the dad come and open the door and what's the reaction going to be? Of course, this is the movies, right? So the first time that happens, he slams the door and walks back inside. I never want to see you again. Is that what your dad was like when, you got re- when he got really, really angry? I knew, I knew I'd hurt my dad uh, when, when I hurt him. Not because he'd blow up or he'd get angry or he'd explode or anything. He'd, he'd go quiet and you'd see it on his face, the look of just of disappointment. And you knew that you'd hurt him. What does this father do? The son got up and went to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and kissed him. How did he see him a long way off? I mean, you're out working the fields, right? The, the sun's over there. I take it that day after day, this father was watching and waiting. Who knows how long it's been? It's been long enough for him to travel to a far-off country, blow all his money, end up in famine, end up in the desperate situation, travel home again, and still the father is watching and waiting. Watching and waiting. And he runs to his son. You ever seen your dad run? It's pretty funny, to be honest. I mean, I, I, my old man, I mean, every now and then you'd see him on the kind of the, the, the sporting field, but he didn't really like doing that because he's got really spindly legs. Don't tell him I said that. Um, so he'd never wear shorts, right? He'd never run. It's, it's just, it's unseemly. There's something kind of wrong about older men running. I mean, so, I don't know, maybe it's just me. But here's this man, off he goes, hoiks up his skirts. I mean, you know, he's wearing a robe and he runs. He, he doesn't care about how his son smells or what his son looks like or that his son is filthy. He just throws his arms around him, hugs him and kisses him. And the son starts to get the apology out of so Verse 21, the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against you and against heaven. I'm no longer worthy to be called his son. He only gets that far. And the father is already going, no, no, no. Quick, bring the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. 
Let's have a feast. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and is now found. I reckon this parable could very well be called the parable of the prodigal father. You know what the word prodigal means? It's someone who spends. Someone who spends lavishly, profusely, at cost to themselves. And the father, he doesn't stop to count the cost. I mean, it's going to cost money. There's a party, they're killing the fattened calf. There's the upkeep of this son who's come home. He doesn't stop to count it. I mean, it's beyond me what love will put up with. This son's betrayal is gone. Can you believe that that is God? Can you believe that that is how God treats pirates who repent and who come home? The loving father who spends profusely. I want to do something slightly different at the moment. I want to read a story for you. Uh, I'm going to read it because it's written in much better words than I can uh, remember. You might like to close your eyes and imagine. You might just like to listen along. The small house was simple but adequate. It consisted of one large room on a dusty street. Its red-tiled roof was one of many in this poor neighbourhood on the outskirts of a Brazilian village. It was a comfortable home, Maria and her daughter Christina. They'd done what they could to add colour to the grey walls, warmth to the hard dirt floor. An old calendar, a faded photograph of a relative, a wooden crucifix. The the furnishings were modest, a pallet on either side of the room for sleeping on, a wash basin and a wood-burning stove. Maria's husband had died when Christina was an infant. The young mother, stubbornly refusing opportunities to remarry, got a job and set out to raise her young daughter. And now, 15 years later, finally the worst years were over. Though Maria's salary as a maid offered few luxuries, it was reliable and it did provide food and clothes. And now Christina was old enough to get a job to help out. Some say Christina got her independence from her mother. She recoiled at the traditional idea of marrying young and raising a family, not that she couldn't have had her pick of husbands. Her olive skin and her brown eyes kept a steady stream of prospects at the door. She had an infectious way of throwing her head back, filling the room with laughter. She also had that rare magic some women have that makes every man feel like a king just by being near them. But it was her spirited curiosity that made her keep all the men at arm's length. She spoke often of going to the city. She dreamed of trading her dusty neighbourhood for exciting avenues and city life, just the thought of which horrified her mother. Maria was always quick to remind Christina of the harshness of the streets. People don't know you there. Jobs are scarce. Life is cruel. And besides, if you went there, what would you do for a living? Maria knew exactly what Christina would do or would have to do for a living. That's why her heart broke when she woke one morning to find her daughter's bed empty. Maria knew immediately where her daughter had gone and she also knew immediately what she must do to find her. She quickly threw some clothes in a bag, gathered up all her money and ran out of the house. On her way to the bus stop, she entered into a chemist to get one last thing, pictures. She sat at the photograph booth, closed the curtain and spent all she could on pictures of herself. 
With her purse full of small black and white photos, she boarded the next bus to Rio. Maria knew Christina had no way of earning money. And she also knew that her daughter was too stubborn to give up. And when pride meets hunger, a human will do things that were before unthinkable. Knowing this, Maria began her search. Bars, hotels, nightclubs, any place with a reputation for prostitutes. She went to them all. And at each place, she left her picture. Taped on a bathroom mirror, tacked to a hotel bulletin board, fastened to a corner phone booth. On the back of each photo, she wrote a note. It wasn't long before both the money and the pictures ran out and Maria had to go home. The weary mother wept as the bus began its long journey back to her small village. It was a few weeks later that Christina descended the hotel stairs. Her young face was tired, her brown eyes no longer danced with youth but spoke of pain and fear. Her laughter was broken. Her dream had become a nightmare a thousand times over. She'd longed to trade these countless beds for her secure pallet. Yet that little village just seemed in too many ways too far away. As she reached the bottom of the stairs, her eyes noticed a familiar face. She looked again and there on the lobby mirror was a small picture of her mother. Eyes burning, throat tightening, she walked across the room and removed the small photo. And written on the back was this compelling invitation. Whatever you've done, whatever you've become, it doesn't matter. Please come home. Whatever you've done, whatever you've become, it doesn't matter. Please come home. And she did. And this is the lavish love of a mother for her daughter. This is the love of this father for his son. Such is the love of God who welcomes pirates home. Whatever you've done, whatever you've become, does God just seem in too many ways too far away? You know who you are and where you are. Are you a pirate? far away from God, then let me say this, my God specialises in pirates, in men and women who know how far they are from God. He doesn't count the cost. He just pays it. I told you he's an extraordinary character. Well, we've met the pirate and we've met the padre. Now let's meet the policeman. What if the policeman is the reason the pirate left? You ever thought about that? Your older sibling is so stuck up you just want to run away. He's a rebel as well though. He's classically, he's holding it all in. He's not the one who lets it out in one big explosion. He just kind of festers. See verse 25, the party begins, the older son was in the field. When he came near he heard music and dancing. So he called out one of the servants, asked him what is going on. The servant said, your brother has come. Your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Excellent! Fantastic! My brother is home! How exciting is that? We were sure he was dead. I mean, he was gone for so long. Not a word, not even a postcard. And here he is. I go, where is he? I want to give him a hug. <laughs> nah. All he can think of is grievance, his resentment. 
See verse 28, the older brother became angry. He refused to go in. So, so the father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat that I could celebrate. But when this, this, this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, come home, you kill the fattened calf for him. All he has is grievance and resentment. Someone once said, churches are filled with nice, kind, loving people who have never known the despair of guilt or the breathless wonder of forgiveness. Churches are full of nice, kind, loving people who have never known the despair of guilt or the breathless wonder of forgiveness. Such is this son. See, it is clear that in the same way that the younger son left his father, physically left him, this son emotionally left his father a long time ago. All he can use is the language of a servant and a master. I've slaved for you. Where is my due that you haven't paid me? There's none of his father in him. Did you hear the venom in verse 30? This, this son of yours can't even name his brother. I wonder what he thought day after day. There's dad quite clearly watching and waiting for the younger brother, quite clearly looking out in love. What did this policeman, this isn't just a policeman, this is a hardened policeman. And amazingly, the father's love is shown just as clearly to this son as it was to the other. See, the father ran out to his younger son. What did he do to the elder? Verse 28, his father went out and pleaded with him. He doesn't care about the stigma of being seen to lose face. The generosity that he shows this son is equally lavish as the other. All that I have is yours, he says. What more do you want? Now this policeman, this elder brother, these religious people, if you remember the story, they don't realise just how far he's drifted. A policeman, they find it very hard to get excited when pirates come home. Well, there's the pirate, there's the padre, there's the policeman. What's the moral of the story? What are we supposed to learn from this? Well, it may surprise you, but the moral of the story isn't that if you're a pirate, you need to become a policeman. And it certainly isn't that if you're a policeman, you need to become a pirate. I mean, that, that one kind of goes without saying, right? See, the story isn't about the sons, but about the father. Whatever you have done, whatever you've become, it doesn't matter. Please, would you come home? But actually, it does matter. It does matter. Because there is a cost to be paid. The younger son, he returns home. Someone's got to pay for his upkeep. The older son, well, if his relationship is to be restored with his father, there's emotional damage to be restored. When we return to God, there is a cost that needs to be paid. And it's the third son who pays it. 
I mean, we've got the, uh, the younger, the elder. It's the third son. And the third son, he's not in the story, of course. He's the one telling the story. The son of the father. The one who truly shows the character of his dad, whose love is as lavish as that of God's. The one who left heaven. Okay, just let those words sink in for a moment. Left heaven to enter our world who lived the life we could not, sacrificed everything for that, who died in our place, not just death, but was murdered, crucified for you and me. Having been crucified, he rose again. There is the third son who pays it all that we might not have to. Are you a pirate? Are you a pirate? Your life full of hurtful actions and hurtful decisions. Somehow you've ended up in a place that you don't know how you got there. It's a desperate place. It's dark. Does God seem in just too many ways too far away? There's no possible way that you could be worthy to be called a child of God. Then know this, he has paid the price that you might come home. Or are you a policeman? Standing just outside the door. Oh, oh you, you've done all the right things. You've served for years. You've, you've ticked the boxes. I mean, you, you did Sunday school and you did the confirmation class and, I mean, you were baptised as a kid, so that's okay. And you, you, you kept coming to church through youth group. Every Friday you were there. You're now at church. You serve, you lead, you teach. You, you tick all the boxes, but inside you have none of the love of God. It's very easy to look Christian. But where's your heart? When you think about God, do you think of yourself as a servant or as a son or a daughter? Interestingly, this story ends on a question. We're left hanging. I mean, if, if this was Avengers Part 2, quite clearly there's a scene in the credits that says to us, come back for Avengers Part 3, which there is, and if you see it, you should wait for that. Does the elder son come in? Does he come back? Is he in relationship with the Father? Is that restored? Well, that is a question we need to answer as well. Are you a pirate? Are you a policeman? Whichever you are, whatever you've done, whatever you've become, it doesn't matter. Jesus says tonight, come home. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again for this picture of your love. Wherever we're at, Father, maybe we know that our life has been full of mistakes. We've thrown it in your face, let alone everyone else's. Please may we know that in Jesus you've paid it all that you're watching and waiting for us in love to welcome us home. Father, give us boldness to take that step of being able to come back and say, oh, I'm sorry, I've sinned against heaven and against you, knowing that there is forgiveness. 
Father, if there are those among us who are policemen whose heart is hard despite outward appearances, please would you change that heart? Knowing that you've reached out to them as well. In love, Jesus died that they may be reconciled. Father, tonight for each one of us, would we know that we are in your arms, loved and home. Amen.